loving, loving Sai Ram, Brother Krishna Ramuta, welcome to the series, A Week Unite and Inspire. Brother Krishna, can you share with us, how did you first come into contact with Sri Satya Sai Baba? Loving, loving Sai Ram, to you, Brother Fais, and unto all the Zoomers and listeners, wherever you all may be. And thank you very much for this opportunity to be interviewed and to be heard and viewed by so many devotees and friends, listeners across wherever. How I first came in contact with Swami. I believe the year was 2008, February to be exact. I was going through a very turbulent, very dark period in my life. And as a Hindu, I believe in the potency and the power of the Hawan. So one night I decided to do a Hawan and I chanted the Gayatri Mantra 108 times, did all the offerings and so on, and I went to bed. And let me say this part, I did not pray to Swami. I just did the Hawan and I went to bed. And that night Swami appeared to me in a dream and in the dream, I was actually kneeling down and, you know, my hands were like this. And of course, there was a lot of tears and so on. And Swami was sort of suspended and he was looking at me and the Samagri of the offerings was coming out from his right hand, the exact color um, and everything, the same text and everything that I had offered in the Hawa. And that was the dream. I got up in the morning and I was honestly totally confused because I did not pray to Sai Baba. I prayed as a Hindu the way I normally would do. And well, knowing you, I got up in the morning and when I came to work, I said, look, you know, I know Fais is in the Sai organization. Let me um, give him a call. And I remember calling you. If I'm not wrong, I think it was a Tuesday. And I told you I wanted to come and talk with you. And you said, yes, I'm available to come. So I went across by you and you started sharing. Well, you know, you didn't really have a dream of Swami. What happened, Swami? Appeared to you in your dream. And you started to explain all of this about Sai Baba, Sai Centers, and so on. And I remember you telling me that there's a Sai Center in Marbella and one in San Fernando and the other in Patiram Trace. And he said, well, if you'd like, you just go on and um, you could visit one of the center. And you did tell me that Patiram Trace is, um, they have a satsang every Thursday at starts at 6 p.m. I was familiar with the temple, the Shiva temple there. I used to go there on Sundays and do off. So I said, I'll go down to Patiram Trace. And I went there and this was it, the very first Satsang, I went there. I knew this is the place that I would want to be. This is the way that I would want to worship. And here am I now, since 2008 to 2021. So that's everything. Thank you very much, Brother Krish. Everybody has their own unique adventure and instance and circumstance to connect them to Mother Sai. Thank you very much for sharing. 
And Brother Chris, share with us two of your most memorable experiences you have had with Mother Sai. Oh, good. I'm glad you asked that. Um, <clears throat> two. The first one I remember, the one that, you know, since then, I've had so many, but the two that come to mind, one is that, I think it was Brother Parasin who had brought down a devotee from Prashanti to do Vedam chanting and to teach devotees in Trinidad how to do Vedam chanting. It was around that time. I say that to put it into context. And we were doing some Vedam chanting down at the Shura Masai Center and so on. And at that same time, I honestly don't remember the year, but NASA, North American Space Agency had picked up a very strange underwater current on, across the north coast of Trinidad. And just to say this, so I put in things in context. At that time, I used to be swimming very, very regular, four to five mornings per week, probably 45 minutes. So I remember clearly what had happened. And the waters um, on the north coast Goes right through, right down Trinidad. It's very, very turbulent. There were distress signals out. You could not go um, bathe. You couldn't, you could not go, people, fishermen could not go, and so on. And I remember that time I had this dream with Swami. And in the dream, there was a whole lot of us from, <coughs> excuse me, Patiram Tracy Center. And we were there like on a play field. And Swami came out his normal, jovial self, laughing and smiling with all of us. And we were just there playing. And after a while, he, Swami said to us, he said, I have to go down on the beach. I have something to do there. And I could actually see Swami walking on the beach. And I think at that point, he was literally quieting whatever was happening in the waters. And I remembered while <clears throat> the announcements were made and so on, I was having um, coffee with some friends of mine, most of whom were, were Christians. And we were talking about the announcement because it was public information. And we were very concerned. And I did you know, what is going to happen? What is this whole thing that is happening? And I said to them, without saying too much, I said, Oli, don't worry, nothing is going to happen. Because I know Swami had already taken care of that particular situation, whatever it was. And I, that stands out in my mind. Um, so much one of those interviews or dreams, as you say, with Swami. The other one that I, I remember is when we went to um, the World Conference in 2015. That was uh, around November's Baba's birthday. And, and the first time I'd gone to Prashanti was in 2010. And of course, I didn't go back, you know, for whatever reason, it never happened. And I think it was in March or April of that same year, I had a very strange dream. And in the dream, there was this flowers. The flowers were white uh, with strips of uh, 
red on it, resembling that of a hibiscus flower. And it's like it was coming down from the heavens, coming up from the sky. And it was coming towards me. And I found a bit strange. I didn't know what to, to make out of it. But I remember sometime subsequent to that, I went to visit Swami Upadhyaya. And I explained, tell him the dream, and he said, uh, he just said to me very briefly, something you really want, really bad, you will get it soon. That's all he said to me. You know, I, I kind of laugh at it. I say, well, maybe get a hold of some money or some kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I just laugh it out like that. And then um, as things would unfold, we went to, to the World Conference. And while we were there, I remember I wanted to get some books and I went to the bookstore and while walking up at the entrance to the bookstore, I saw the same exact flower that I saw in the tree. And regrettably, I did not take a picture of it. And I've never seen that flower before, nor have I ever seen it after. You know, you have a lot of Memorable occasion, but the two that stands out for me. Thank you very much, Brother Krish. Okay, so Brother Krish, what does Sai Baba mean to you today? At this point in time, to me, very straight, Swami is God whether he's in the physical form or formless as is now, he's no form to say a human form that people go to Prashanti and visit him and have his physical darshan and so on. Swami, to me, is God. He is also someone that I can turn to and talk to. He is the avatar of the age, Swami said, so I believe that. He is the person that I talk to very often. Um, you have these times you will go to your prayer room and you will sit down. I'm not referring to those times. Um, you may go satsang, I'm not referring to those times. I'm referring like sometimes you drive in your car and you just get in a conversation with Swami or something that is very maybe troubling, very topical in your head, something you, you want to, to just um, maybe share with someone. I, I could share a little experience about Swami with respect to this. I remember one day going up the highway and like I was conversing, like you and I talking here, literally talking to Swami. This is Swami, you know, I, I, I never, I just was blessed, I was fortunate um, to go see you in your physical form once in 2010, and I'm thankful for that. You know, sometimes you you talking to the side devotees, <clears throat> and you hear of all this darshan and interviews and, and uh, so much of different manifestations and so on. And, you know, I just simply like to get to, to do Paramaskar to you. But I, I know, I know that it's just my karma. My karma never afforded me. So I just continue. That conversation, I could end it and it was just that. And <clears throat> sometime after, not long after, 
I remember having this dream with Swami. So I just walk in on the road with some friends and Swami sitting on his chair like, and I saw him smiling and he looked at me and he just pointed to his feet. Like he was saying to me, come and take Panamanaskar. Rushed rush there and I was so happy. So apart from being the avatar of the age for me, apart from being God that I do my worship to, he's the person I go to very often in conversation like that when you want to talk to someone. Thank you very much, Brother Krish. Now, the next question. So, Brother Krish, many of us, we've had a pre-Sai experience. We've had a post-Sai experience. Share a little bit of how practicing the teachings of Satya Sai Baba has impacted and transformed and continues to transform your daily life. When, when I say the teachings, um, I look at the five fundamental human values. Basically, I look at the nine-point code of conduct. Um, you look at Swami's statements or mantras, as we say, love all, serve all, help ever, hurt never. When I think of these values, I honestly try to put them into practice in my daily life to start with, because the best teaching is to you be first and then talk. And I try to apply this for myself and to have that impact on those around me so that I could have a positive impact on those that I come in contact with, both within the organization and those who are outside of the organization. These values, they mean a lot to me. Uh, I think it's what it is that we need in the world today. The, the whole transformation exercise is one that is a work in progress. I don't know if I could say that I have grown a whole lot spiritually, but I, I, I think I have. Um, since coming into, or rather since Swami brought me into the Sai Fold back in 2008 to now, and I've had his darshan in so many different ways, trying to practice the teachings and to have that transformative effect on my life you, you, you are focused differently. Your aims and objectives in life are differently. You are now thinking about this whole goal in this transformation. What is this transformation about? This transformation is to move me from a normal person seat into a very spiritual being so that at some point in time, your, your whole system, your whole processes can be in one with Swami. Um, it's not a, a one and done event. It's a work in progress. It's, it may take many lifetimes um, from a previous life to come here and now to have known Swami. 
and to come into his fold and to stay in his fold, maybe it might mean just development for another life on this journey, but the transformation process continues. I am enjoying it. And as I go along, I try to have a positive impact on those that I interact with, um, those that I, I work with, uh, those that you come in contact with, clients, for instance, and you, you want to recognize it as part of your own growth and development on the spiritual journey. Sorry. So, Brother Krish, let's talk a little bit more of this impact and transformation on your life since you've come into contact with Mother Sai. As said before, many of us had a pre life experience experiences we may have been involved in smoking and drinking and eating meat or living a particular type of life that we may call uh, material and not really aligned with our purpose in life is there anything specific that you used to do prior to coming into contact with swami but then that changed after interacting with him and reading and practicing his teachings was there anything specific that you could identify as a change um i don't think i could identify anything specific i i, I was vegetarian already I, I never used to be um into alcohol and so on but from 2008 when i had that experience to now you know, you have had so many times that I've had the darshan of Swami, as Swami says, it's in a view. So many times you have been blessed to go to Prashtanti twice already. And that in itself is, is a transformation. And it helped me stay focused and stay on this course. Uh, had it not been for Sai, and this is what I was thinking, had it not been for Sai and Swami, bringing me into the fold. This is why I normally would say um, to devotees when I'm going to satsang and so on that, uh, you know, I didn't come in the fold. I, I was born into the, the, the Sai family. Swami literally picked me up bring me into the fold. And I asked the question to myself, you know, well, where would I have been today? What would I have been like? What I would have been doing? And I really don't know. Uh, maybe I might have been somebody that you would not recognize. Uh, I am very, very uh, thankful for that first um, darshan of Swami. And I don't want to say I have stayed the course. I'm thankful to Swami that he has kept me on this journey. And I hope that I will continue on this journey with Sai, in the Sai family, in the organization. Sai. So, Brother Krish, let's go back as you speak about your first darshan of Swami. Let's go back to that trip in 2010. You've made your plans, you're journeying to Prashanti Nilayam, you're at the ashram, it's your very first sighting or seeing or having darshan of the Lord. Share with us when you, your eyes first fell on our beloved Swami, how did you feel inside then and a little after? 
Oh, yeah, I'm really glad you asked that question. Um, but Pfizer, you know, we had so much difficulties to reach the Prashanti. And I was one of the fortunate ones by Swami's grace to reach. And when I remember the very first day, if I'm not wrong, I think it was the 1st of August, 2010. Um, that's the first day the West Indies um, tour, the whole, whole entourage we were supposed to be in the ashram. And when I first saw Swami coming down on his chair with all his students around him and so on, that first impression, all like my mind just raced away from Swami and I was just thinking of Lord Rama. I, I can't understand that. I don't know how to explain that. But that's what happened. And I mean, the, the question that I <clears throat> excuse you, asked myself at that point in time, what it is that I would have done in some previous life or lives um, this journey that Swami have you on to have this merit to have this benefit to sit in this ashram and to view and to be amongst all his devotees and to see the avatar of the age in his physical form pass right in front of you I, I felt blessed, I felt elated, I was happy, I was overwhelmed with joy. Um, but I add a little something to it. In order that I <clears throat> look back 2021 and the problems that we went through then, had I not been allowed to go by Swami, that is nothing else, by Swami, or if I had said, look, you know what? I cancel this trip, me going nowhere. Swami allowed it to happen. And I was so thankful for it. All these years have passed. And if I didn't go along, I would have lived with a lot of regrets. So, so Brother Krish, it leads me to the next question. Yeah. You've been to Prashanti on two occasions. Yeah. So you've walked on those hallowed grounds. You've had the darshan of our beloved Mother Sai. You spent time in the ashram, engaging in the spiritual activities from morning and during the course of the day. Why is it important to remain connected to Prashanti Nilayam? Maybe you can begin by sharing your own personal experience of your two trips being in the ashram for a period of time and why do you feel we should remain connected to this very sacred and hallowed place? Yes, Sairam. Um, you know, Prashanti Nilayam, as I understand it, means the abode of supreme peace. And Swami gave it that name Swami built it, supervised it, organized everything to bring it to where it is today. Prashanti Nilayam to me is lightened onto what the Vatican is to Catholics or what the holy site of 
Mecca is to Muslims, and there are so many holy and sacred sites for Hindus. To side devotees, I think Prashanti Nilayam is truly that abode of supreme peace. And we can have Swami Darshan wherever we are. Swami is omnipresent. That's fine. We, we all know that. But Swami, on so many occasions, given his discourse, have said it's important that we come to Prashanti to recharge our spiritual energy. I recall in one of the talks, I think it's one of these same interviews, if I'm not wrong, um, so I don't, don't want to quote anybody. I, I seem not to remember exactly who it is, but it was saying that Swami was saying that when, when a devotee had asked about the very colors and the, the shape and so on, on the ceiling in the side Kulwant Hall, Swami had said that this is done this way. So when devotees come here, the spiritual energy they would pick up and recharge their spiritual batteries. So we ought to remain connected to Prashanti Nilayam, the abode of supreme peace. That is where Swami had made his home and is the home for the global Sai devotees. To share one of my experiences there in back to 2015, it's twice I went there a second time. And he went to the World Conference, which I was really looking forward to. And I was enjoying it tremendously. Um, I got sick real bad, real bad. Um, I was only uh, able to attend the opening ceremony of the first half day of the three days that was set aside for the World Conference. And then I had to go back to the hotel and lie down there and, and you know, it was, it was real sick. I, I couldn't eat, uh, I just lie down in bed. And, and I keep, and then I started to say to Swami, yes, Swami, you know, look, I come halfway around the world. I spend so much money. The one thing I came for, I really wanted to attend this world conference and I cannot. And, and I was really not pleased at that point in time. I wasn't just saying, look, this is Swami's grace, take it for what it is. I, I wasn't saying that, I was really like, a little upset with Swami, maybe, if I can say that. And that happened, and just but over, over the whole trip, um, you had a couple of days that I was there on the streets interacting with people, just enjoying myself before I got sick. And enjoying it, going to morning darshan and so on. And I remember the night we... The last night we would have to leave Prashanti to um, then in early next morning we'd be head, heading back to Bangalore to come home. Um, we went to bed about just about 10, half 10. I got to get up for about two o'clock in the morning or half to there about. And I had this dream. And like Swami just put everything together for me. And in the dream, all the people that I interacted with while in Prashanti, in the village, in the village of Puttaparate, that is on the streets, those who were dirty looking, those who were bare feet, those who were like homeless, those who were looking like um, beggars, those who were selling, those who were in neat, nice, clean clothes and so on. They were all on the Samadhi. Nobody was dirty looking. Nobody was nasty looking. They were all cheerful. And it was, it was like if it's uh, at the end of a play, 
and the cast of all the actors and actresses went on stage, but they were standing um, where the samadhi is now. And you know these long time uh, flim rolls, how the flim rolls would be reeling? I am seeing the flim roll reeling. And as if Swami is saying to me in this dream, we all have our roles to play. Those who are beggars on the streets, those you laugh with, those who were in Darshan line, those you met because I went down to the super specialty hospital, everybody was there. And like, that was like the crowning glory of the trip to Prashanti in 2015. It's like Kwame is saying, this was your part of the journey. Maybe you had to get sick for whatever reason, but I accepted it as then at that point in time, as Swami's grace, that we all have our roles to play. And even today within the organization and in life, when you interact with people, we are all just acting out different um, roles in his great leela that he is unfolding. He is in control, Zaira. Thank you very much, Brother Krish. And I distinctly remember that because you and I had traveled on that trip together. Sure, yes. see together. Yes. So I was yes. very much aware and conscious of your sickness and the struggles yes. you went through. But as you rightly said, Swami brings you to it and he brings you through it. And you become bigger, better, and stronger as a result. So, Brother Krish, you are now the president of the Sri Satyasai Global Council Trinidad. Share with us, how did you first become a member of the Sri Satyasai Global Council? And why did you join the Sri Satyasai Global Council? Thank you so much for asking this question, Brother Vice. You know, Global Council is what it is now. We are all aware. I'm the president by Swami's grace. I'm thankful for that. This is October. I, I believe it's July month, if I'm not wrong. I did not know anything about Global Council. I did not know of the formation of a new organization, I had no inclination about it. None whatsoever. I'll have to share this twofold. Um, when I first hear, heard the words Global Council, it was from Brother Parasingh, from the Rio Claro Sai Center. He just, he said that, you know that, um, Ratnakara Swami, nephew, and then forming this organization called Global Council. He said, Rio Claro Sai Center don't join him. So I said, Well, no, I'm not aware of this. What is this Global Council about? I, I think that's the first week of July, to be very honest with you. I said, Well, I'm not aware of this. So I just sort of brushed it aside. That was downstairs in um, his office in Rio Claro. The same day, uh, I went upstairs um, and I met Sister Mala Singh, very lovely lady. And uh, while upstairs there, Brother Terry Maraj Paul, 
you know, when I was upstairs there, of course, I have to say this, you know, once you go by Malaji, um, as I call her, call her, she has to feed you. You know, so I was having breakfast. And Brother Terry Maraj, former president of Sri Satya Sai International Organization, Trinidad Tobago, called. And then he started to talk to me about global council. And he went into some depth. So the first time hearing it downstairs from Brother Paris, I really didn't pay much mind. What is this? I, I, I'm not really too concerned with it. But when Terry started to talk and he went into some more depth and he started talking about the, the structure and what is happening and so on, I said, Terry, this makes complete sense to me. That was my first, my initial reaction. And he said, he'll send me some information about it and so on, which he did, and I read it and so on. And that was the first time, the first day, which I believe is the first week of July, and this year I would hear of Global Council. As I said, in the answer to this question, I have to answer kind of two parts. Let's backtrack to about March month of this year. Again, I had a dream. And I'm trying to connect the dots. That's why I took it from the other end. I had this dream. And this room or the office that I was referring to, uh, what Paris, Paris Singh and I was talking, I had a dream that we were in that room. And there was this beautiful Swami picture on the wall, which was actually there when I was actually having the conversation with Brother Paris Singh. That picture was in the dream. And there was vibhuti all over the place. In the dream, Shivana, our now um, young adult leader, very, very dedicated soul in Swami's mission. She was in a dream, Brother Paras Singh, <coughs> Mala was in a dream, and Brother Paras Singh was, <coughs> excuse, holding a little baby. And in the dream, I just watching and I just in a total amazement of, wow, what is this, all this vibhuti? And Shivi said, I call her Shivi. Shivi said, Uncle Krish, take vibhuti. I said, no, Shivi, I let everybody else take. I will take last. So having said that, and then I come now to hear of Global Council from Brother Parasing in the same room, right where that say, where that dream took place. And then Brother Terry Marge, who would call and give me all the details. To me, it was divinely ordained that I would, as a, some sort of revelation from Swami, that listen, this is what is going to come. Of course, at the time, you couldn't um, connect any dots. And within, um, I think it's a couple of days thereafter, after reading the, the, the emails that um, Brother Terry had sent me, Brother Vijay Sagram Singh from the States called me and he, he told me that um, he was offering me the position of uh, president of Global Council Trinidad Tobago. I said, what? I, I, I was totally taken aback. I said, what? He said, everybody he spoke to recommended me. I said, whoa, I said, well, I, I really don't know. I, I don't know. 
you know, after I left um, as vice president in December 2018, I, I didn't want to take any position or nothing like that in the organization. I just wanted to do my sewa and attend to satsang and so on. And I said that, that you know, the thing about it, that that conversation with Brother Vijay, um, what he said to me, he said, I think he said bye. He said, bye. Think about it. Go into your prayer room and pray about it. Pray to Swami about it. And when we come off the phone, you know, I start thinking and thinking about it. And I said, you know, I prayed, I prayed to Swami about it. And I said, this is too um, tough a decision for I to make on my own. I said, let me go and talk to my mother about this. When I, <clears throat> when I face these kind of breaking positions in life, I like to go talk, talk to my mother. Brother and, uh, Chris, it's okay. You go right ahead and express yourself. So, I called her and I told her I was coming with her. She said, okay. I must let you notice that she is not a Baba devotee. She's Christian. She's 80 years old. So I just went and said, And I started talking and I tell her, I said, how best I could put this to her so she understands what it is. So I said, Ma, you know, you know this organization I belong to, where we just go and feed homeless people and build homes for people. She said, yes, yes, Krishna, I know, and all you're doing that and giving people hamper. I said, yes, that organization. I said, they want me to be the leader in Trinidad, what do you think? Without hesitating, she said, Krishna, take. <clears throat> she said, you like to do that kind of work. Take it. And that's how I accept the position. And I take it to be nothing else but Swami's grace. Um, can I just add something to it here at this point? That this is the, the fourth office that I've held in the SAI organization. First, um, when I started in 2008, I think it's probably around 2011 or 12, there about, I was asked to be the, the chairman of Pati Ramtree SAI Center. And, at that time, I remember the fight I came and I chatted with you. I said, but I don't know anything about the organization. You know, by accepting the position, I, I, I try to feel my way around what did, how did the organization structure and the reporting structure and accountability. I knew nothing. I accepted it. And not long after, I didn't, there was offered the position of um, South Region Chairman. And then I had to give up one. And I think I held that for two years and then you know, you're a healthy position of uh, vice president. And now this position. And all those positions, 
none of those position I have a sought after. I have a try to play the right cards to get a position or ask anyone to try to recommend me or something. All have been Swami's grace, divinely ordained. That's how I see it. And this present position is Swami's grace, and I'm doing my level best. I understand the, the nature, the work right now, and I'm doing my best to do Swami's work and to be a good servant for him and to be pleasing to Swami at the end of the day. Thank you very much, Brother Chris, for that very sincere and soulful response and sharing. But Brother Chris, let's go back again to Sri Satyasai Global Council and the why did you join? What is it that Global Council contains that attracted, it was attractive to you and that you made the switch? Okay, what is Sarah. it that reached out or appealed to you in Sri Satyasai Global Council that allow you to cross over? Okay, Sairam. Okay, so when I read all the information that Brother Terry had sent to me, I said that, I mean, being, I'm thinking from a business standpoint, I'm, I'm an, an accountant. So I think in that basically 21st century, you need a global organization to spread Swami's mission in the 21st century. I don't think it is the right way to move forward. Um, having the structure that was there previously, when I heard of this umbrella organization that is Sri Shatyasai Global Council, how it came about and the manner in which it will be governed that the, the officers from All India Central Trust, SSIO, would comprise the officers of Global Council. I thought this is the right structure, this is the right reporting structure to have a global organization in this 21st century to spread Swami's message. And when I read it too, I realized that a lot of the red tape and, and a lot of the reporting structures were being eliminated. And I said, this is the way to move forward. Uh, this is what we need now. There are too many, too, too, in the previous structure, there were too many um, reporting lines that uh, you could not have gotten communication to the zonal chair. Now, uh, since I have joined, uh, speaking from now, I have a telephone conversation, WhatsApp message, emails with the zonal chair, Dr. Kalatia, more than once. They are very readily available and accessible to devotees and to officers. And in my case, as president, you can reach out to them, to Brother Vijay. And there's so much of transparency now. So I honestly believe that this is the way to go. This is why I moved ahead and I joined. And before you know it, I was offered the position. And 
the voters are going to take their own time and come around, and that's fine. That's fine. However, people wish to worship, whether it's true SSI or global, that's fine. But to me, this is the, the organization structure. And Swami also spoke about a global organization. I think it was they were in Kodakanag when Swami had spoken about the global organization to take his mission forward. And I believe that is global council. Sorry. So, Brother Krish, thank you very much for sharing your perspective. So, our final question. We live in Trinidad and Tobago, we live in the Western world, but regardless of where we live in the world today, when you look around, you cannot help but notice that there is chaos, apparent chaos, confusion. There is domestic warfare, national warfare, nations against nations. There's a breakdown between parents and children. There is racism prevalent and that is directing a lot of our behavior. The pandemic has come and so much suffering, misery and lives have been lost. From your understanding of Swami's teachings, what do you think are some guidelines or recommendations that you can give to each individual as to how we could create a better, more loving, value-based society? But Siren, that, that's a good question. So I'm from Swami's teaching, the one word I can think of, and it is the epicenter of Swami's teaching, is love. And that's what the world needs today. Unfettered, unconditional love. As Swami said, love all, serve all. And that is the answer to the world's problems with all the, the wars and interreligious wars and countries fighting against each other. If we can have that love one for another, that would be the answer for humanity, that is the answer for the planet. When you look at our scenario in Trinidad, little twin island republic that we are, you are we are a multiracial, multicultural, multi-religious society. And the founding fathers of our nation have as the watchwords, discipline, production, and tolerance. And in a very cosmopolitan society that we are, the word tolerance must be practiced every day, every moment of the day. You have the three major religions existing in Trinidad here. Hindus, you have Muslims, you have Christians, all sorts of different splinter groups and so on there. And all we need to have is that tolerance, that respect for each other, for their faith, whatever that may be, however they choose to worship. And that is the thing about Swami's worship, Swami's teachings. He said, let, let the Christian be a better Christian, let the Hindu be a better Hindu, let the Muslim be a better Hindu. He don't want anybody to come into his um, fold and to follow him, but just practice the teachings of your particular calling or your religion to the best of your ability. And that is what the world really needs. And you know, I recall, I went to a Presbyterian school and I recall there's a verse in the Bible that says, if a man hath not love, 
is like a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal. And that's the word that the world needs that is going to deal with. If you look at the one, Ahimsa, if we practice that one value base of Swami's teachings, that look at the level of violence against, forget humanity for a moment, the animals. So now you only think about the wars and, and humanity and how humanity is suffering. Almost every day, so many animals have already gone extinct because of man's inhumanity to animals and to the environment. When you have hundreds and thousands of acres of land are being burned down uh, by all of these bushfires, as I say, how many thousands and hundreds of thousands of animals die and they just perish there? all because of our carelessness and our greed as, uh, as members of the human race. And in the environment, well, the environment is polluted every which way. All the rivers are polluted, the earth is polluted, it's like Mother Earth repelling now, you're having volcanic eruptions, the climatic changes in, in the Caribbean here, you have so much of, of violent storms now. So if we go back to these basic teachings, and we show that respect for the environment, show that respect and that love for the animals, and love all civil across the human line, crossing all racial, religious, cultural, and national boundaries, I think the future for humanity looks good. Sire. Thank you very, very much, Brother Krish. And yes, as Baba said, love is the source, love is the part love is the goal what a wonderful recommendation and guideline that all of us can practice to create a better more value-based society so brother krishna ramuta the sri Sai global council wishes to express gratitude and appreciation to you for having taken the time to share your personal journey to mother sai may bhagwan sri Sai baba continue to bless and guide you and may you continue to be a loving instrument in his divine mission. Jai Sairam. Thank you, Brother Faiz, and Jai Sairam to all listeners, wherever you may be. Thank you, Sairam. Sairam.